surrounded. A tornado of dark sand spinning around us. Wusa's arrival was like a jolt of courage coursing through my insides, but once Auk surrounded us and he was suddenly in my head, that courage quickly turned to fear. For one thing, Naoi was weak. Yeah, she was standing, but barely, and she kept trying to activate Aja, but every time she said, awake, there was a feeble spark and nothing else. Seth had done something to the place to, to cause this, to drain my Naoi of all of her power. And though I knew that standing up to the god, even in this moment, was part of why I loved and adored my sister, a part of me was trying to figure out how to get her the heck out of here as quickly as possible. From outside of the tornado, I could hear Jima yelling Wusa's name, striking the dark sands of Auk over and over again. The pounding was so loud that I was certain I was going to lose my hearing. And now he, she just kept trying, yelling awake at the top of her lungs as if that was going to help. Wusa threw out her hands as if she was pushing something and conjured blinding white light. Well, I thought I wouldn't be able to hear or see after this. The light formed into a shield and I thought... She might not be a warrior, but it didn't mean that she wasn't able to protect us. I could feel its energy pulsing through me, and that should have made me feel better, but it didn't. The fear filling every inch of me wasn't just because I'd never seen this many soldiers before, and we were literally surrounded by Commander Ock. Wusa was in human form, which was the only way she could have been there helping us in that moment, but it was also a form where she was vulnerable, like she could get hurt or, or worse. And I, I just didn't want to imagine what the world or the universe or existence itself would be like without the goddess of creation. In the comic books I read, during major battles, the superheroes would crack jokes while they fought, and I thought, how could anyone, anyone, find humor in a time like this? It was so, so stressful, and what was making it worse for me was seeing the fiery, empty eyes of Auk staring at us through the black sand. He wasn't attacking, and I couldn't figure out why. If I'm being honest, I wished that he would come at us and get this over with. Not knowing what direction it would come from, not knowing exactly what it would be, it was just making it worse. Just get it over with, I thought. And I was sure that he could hear me, or should I say, hear my thoughts. He was pleased. I could sense it. Now he fell down, and I lifted her up, propping her against me. She looked like she was literally falling asleep on her feet. I yelled out, do something to Wusa, who was focused on the shield and what might come out at us. She gave me this look, and I knew there wasn't anything she could do. But she was a god, and that thought, it screamed in my head. Couldn't she create something to restore Naoi's power? 
A hand the size of a van knifed through the tornado and wrapped around us. The only thing that kept it from snapping closed was Woosa's shield. This had to belong to the giant I saw marching toward us. I'd only had the chance to glimpse it before Ock surrounded us. I honestly had no idea how big it actually was. This hand, bulging with veins, with fingers as thick as hippos, was actually straining to close. And I could see the strain in Wusa's desperate expression. She was focusing all the energy she had on that shield. Then she pointed toward the ground and a hole materialized where she was pointing. A way out? We weren't going to leave her. Naoi, even in her weakened state, was never going to do that. She was a warrior of the Lightning Tribe, after all. When Naoi told her there was no way we were going to leave her, she said she had Jima and that me and Naoi needed to get to O. I'm not going to sit here and say that I completely forgot about O, but he wasn't at the forefront of my mind in that moment. But we were definitely there to rescue him. That's why we were risking our lives. Wusa looked at me and, as calm as she could, said, Take her. <laughs> and I realized that it wasn't just because of O. This place was zapping Naui's strength, and once we were gone, there was a good chance she'd get her strength back. Now he gave me this look. It was like, don't you dare. And for the first time, I realized that I could actually overpower Nowie. But I wasn't going to do that. I couldn't. I mean, regardless, she'd never do that to me. And there were times she definitely could have. I looked down at the hole Wusa had conjured and said, this might be our only chance. I could see the wheels turning in Naui's head. She'd never expected for Seth to return O, even if she would have given him the power of creation. But making him think that she'd be willing to give it to him brought her time to search for O. It didn't matter. We weren't finding him, and if her mother had created a way for us to get to him, we had to take it. Now he knew it. I could see it in her eyes. She gave me a quick nod, and as I shot toward her, fully immersed in my shadow armor, I told Wusa we'd be right back. I grabbed Naui and dived into the hole. For a few moments, I felt like the overwhelming stress that filled me was lifted. Naui was holding on to me tight, and I knew her strength was quickly returning because I could feel her grip squeezing the armor and getting stronger and stronger. Within moments, we were standing on solid ground, and the shadow armor covering my face lowered. Despite that, the darkness hadn't lifted, and I couldn't see anything. I heard Naui say, Awake! And Aja finally woke up, extending into a full-grown staff. Good, I thought. Now he was pretty much back to full strength. 
From the glow on the lightning symbol of her weapon, I could see this single-minded focus in Naoi's eyes. O was here, and the only thing that mattered was finding him and getting him to safety. Naoi told me to activate the armor around my face again, and it made sense. My instincts would take over, and we might have an easier time finding O. But a split second before I did this, I heard a familiar sound. I looked at Naoi and asked her if she heard what I heard. Naoi lowered Aja so the lightning symbol was close to the ground. Using it as a source of light, she began scanning the surface and we saw a crater just in front of us. Could it be? More of those sounds. They were beginning to fill the air. Slowly, tiny dots of blue light began to appear, rising up from the surface, and I suddenly realized where we were. The planet that orbited Seth's star. The tiny beings and the trees made of water. We were back. I couldn't see Naoi's face in that moment, but I knew she was smiling. She'd made a deep connection with these beings, after all. She allowed them inside her head and spoke with them on a whole other level. Within moments, we were surrounded, and two of them split off from the group and approached us. Even though we'd met them before, I'll admit that I was still feeling nervous. I'm not exactly sure why. Maybe they didn't like what Naoi had done. It appeared that the dark sphere that she created did a great job of containing the energy that Seth got from it, but it had also taken away the light. I mean, how did these tiny beings feel about not having light anymore? Personally, I would have been pretty upset, but then again, I still hadn't embraced using my instincts when the armor covered my eyes. Well, not completely. I still doubted myself, even after all this time. Both beings extended their hands toward me and Naoi. Touch was how they communicated with alien beings. It was how they connected with our minds. I mean, we were aliens here after all. Me and Naoi looked at each other. Did these tiny beings actually know where O was? Maybe they'd known the whole time. Neither of us had thought to ask at the time. Naoi had exhausted every bit of energy saving that star, and I just wanted to get her home. But if we'd just asked, maybe we wouldn't have had to go through all this. That made me feel kind of foolish at the time, but, you know, what can you do? Now he gave me a quick nod, and I nodded back. Then we both took their hands at the same time. The first thing I saw was the crumbling pyramid. It was where the original weapon was kept, the one that temporarily took out Seth's star, but didn't end up working. My first thought was that O was inside there, which would have really made me upset. I was like, wow, 
He was there the whole time. How could we have missed that? But then the focus changed. Or should I say, zoomed in on something sitting on top of the crumbling pyramid. And that something was a creature we'd seen before. This was a creature from the sun, or at least that's what these tiny beings had told us. Side note, I was going to have to figure out a name other than tiny beings to call these beings, but there was too much on my mind at the time to be creative or to think of anything, I guess. Anyway, I remembered that the creatures reminded me of tigers made out of fire, but their heads were like black holes, which was a really, really strange combination. You know, black holes swallowed up stars, and these creatures were made out of starfire. So, I wondered, why is this being showing me this terrifying creature? Then, the perspective changed again, and we were moving into its face, the part that appeared to be a black hole. And as we moved into that darkness, we could see a tiny but brilliant sphere of light. At first, I had no idea what it was. Maybe a part of the fire tiger? But I sensed that it wasn't a part of that creature at all. I sensed that the brilliant point of light had something to do with. Then the vision ended and I looked at Naui and I realized that she thought the same as I did. That the tiny light we'd been shown was a part of O. Maybe his, and Naui said, consciousness. I'm not exactly sure why, but I just knew. I knew that that was O's consciousness. I figured that it might have something to do with the shadow armor, but maybe it didn't. Maybe it had to do with those tiny beings. Maybe they knew and were communicating it to us. Well, that's what Naui thought. Then I immediately wondered where the rest of O was, and as soon as the thought entered my mind, the being's tiny hand took mine again and walked me in the opposite direction. Now we followed. We stopped moments after starting, and there was this, like, trickling sound, like a tiny river. Then the blue light emanating from the being guiding me suddenly swelled, illuminating the area we were in, and I realized that we were standing at the edge of a giant whirlpool. And when I say giant, I'm talking about the size of a stadium. I was stunned. It didn't make a sound, but it was massive, and the water was as blue as the bluest sky I'd ever seen. It was like I could feel it pulling me toward it, and I had to resist. The little being touched my hand again, and I knew. O was down there, or at least his physical body was. Seth must have separated O's consciousness from his body, and these beings, they knew it. Maybe they'd even been in contact with O's consciousness. Then I heard Naui say, 
I can hear you, O. And I knew that she was in contact with O through those beings. I heard Naoi say, it's okay. We're here to take you home. I couldn't hear what he was saying, but I'm sure he was super, super relieved. And as much as I don't want to admit it, well, I was kind of looking forward to seeing O again. Kind of. When Naoi finished talking to him, she moved closer to me, said we would get his body first, then his consciousness. How we'd get it from inside the creature, the fire tiger, was beyond me, but I guess one step at a time. I took Naoi's hand and we dove. It was literally like diving off a building. It was exhilarating and scared me to my deepest core. I could feel the water churning around me, and I thought, we're close, so close. And right before I went through the center of the whirlpool, we were suddenly immersed in rushing water. It was as if the water had suddenly wrapped itself around us. Then I felt a force hurl me and Naoi out like we were food that didn't agree with its stomach, and we found ourselves right back at the edge of the whirlpool. After I caught my breath, I asked Naoi if she was okay. She'd regained her strength, but she was still half-human. I'm good, she said, again. She took my hand this time, and we dove together. And within moments, we were thrown right back to the edge of the whirlpool. We kept trying over and over and over and over again. Same result. After about the tenth time, as we were preparing to go in together, now we suddenly let go of my hand and dived in alone. It happened so fast, and I was like, what, what, what is she thinking? And I saw the water gather together around her and spin like a cyclone. I could only imagine that Funza had come up with this trap, especially the annoying part about getting to a certain point before being thrown right back out. I saw a golden flash of light, then nothing. The water was still spinning, but now he wasn't thrown back. Moments felt like hours, and I was quickly getting worried. I was prepared to dive back in when I was suddenly blinded by golden light. When the light faded, I saw Naoi holding O's body. Well, she was actually cradling him, and it was weird because he's so much bigger than her. The first thing I did was bury my face in my hands, and before I could say anything, she simply said, get over it and she walked toward the tiny beings who were patiently waiting. The ones that had led me and Naoi to the whirlpool guided us to a water tree, and just beyond it, a distant away, was the crumbling structure that held the star-killing weapon, and on top of it, we could see the fire tiger still just sitting there. No idea whether it was asleep or awake, as it didn't have eyes or an expression. 
I hoped that Naoi had a plan on how to get to O's consciousness because I had no idea. Naoi sat down on the ground, crossing her legs and shutting her eyes. I asked her what she was doing and she shushed me. Shh. I suspected that this may have had something to do with the training she did with Osiris. She sat there as quiet as the beings surrounded us. And, by the way, despite there being hundreds, perhaps thousands of those beings, there was absolutely no noise. The fire tiger suddenly stood up and Naui sprung to her feet. She was holding something in her bald fist that was glowing. The fire tiger leapt down and the ground shook when it landed. I remembered thinking that it was at least nine feet tall, but I quickly realized that I'd underestimated the size of these creatures. Ten or eleven feet was probably more accurate, and even at this distance, I could feel the intense heat that it was generating. Now he asked me how fast I thought I could fly. Well, I guess I hadn't thought about it for a while. Pretty fast, I said. I have to focus on getting this inside that creature's head, so you'll have to carry me, Naui said. Carry you? She nodded. We'll have to get as close as possible. Your armor should protect us against the heat. I asked her what she was holding, and she opened her hand. Hovering over her palm was a version of her hand made of golden light. And it was, well, a version, but very, very tiny. And I quickly realized what she wanted to do. She wanted to dive bomb the fire tiger, snatch O's consciousness out of the creature with that tiny hand, and put it back into O's body. Well, I understood why she was asking me how fast I could fly. And we couldn't get too close as the creature's head was literally like a black hole and had an event horizon. And if we crossed it, well, that was it. But then how would that golden hand make it out? Not even light could escape from a black hole. But now he said that hand was connected to her consciousness and nothing would stop it from getting O out. And, well, you know, I believed her. Naui's will was something that should never, ever be underestimated. She stooped down and motioned for one of the tiny beings to come over, then took its hand and said, Thank you. Every single being bowed at that moment, and they began disappearing. Then me and Naui stepped out from behind the water tree, and I took her hand, and we shot toward the creature. In that moment, it began galloping toward us. We were literally going head to head. She said, when I say pull up, pull up. I nodded. Despite the armor, the heat was unbearable. I didn't want to think about what it would be like if I didn't have it. I could see it, full on. 
10 or 11 feet, no way, more like 12, and the black hole filled everything. Suddenly, now we said, pull up, and threw the golden hand toward the creature's head. I pulled straight up, and we were climbing at an unbelievable speed, but then I felt like I was dragging, suddenly dragging, being pulled back. We weren't going to make it, I thought. After all that we'd done, we're not going to make it. Nolly's eyes flashed, and she pointed her hand toward O's body. A mass of golden energy dove down, snatched the body off the ground, and within seconds it was leveled to us. The pull from the fire tiger had grown stronger. We were literally 20 feet away when Nowi extended her hand and opened it. A golden ball of light emerged from the fire tiger. O's consciousness. We'd finally gotten it, but we were ten feet away, ten feet from getting sucked into that creature. Then Nowi's eyes flashed again at the last second, and a portal formed underneath us, and we fell through it. Colors. Couldn't tell you what they were. Too many. Then we broke through something. That was the feeling I got. It felt like a barrier, but it was invisible. It happened really, really fast, and before it fully registered, we hit something solid. Stars slowly came into view above me, and I realized that we were on the roof of my house. I stood up, and Nowi sat next to O, who was still laid out. She looked around, confused. At the same time, O's eyes fluttered open, and he sat up. Nowi wrapped him in a vice-like hug. Poor guy. What happened to the infinite football field? to Seth and his army, to the Lightning Tribe. What happened to the battle? When I looked at Naui, she said, let's get O to your bed and get back into the fight. I nodded, then heard someone from the sidewalk yell, hey. Before I could look down, a girl had suddenly landed on the roof next to us. Nawi was on her feet with Aja held high. The girl had dark curly hair and light brown skin. My first thought was she might be Hispanic, but I wasn't sure. Nawi stepped in front of me and O, who was still recovering, and I thought, wow, that girl can jump like Nawi. The mysterious girl said, Desperto, and she was suddenly holding a staff that looked almost identical to Aja, Nawi's weapon. I only knew a few words in Spanish, and that word was one of them. It meant awake. Then, with a familiar fierceness in her eyes, the girl asked who we were and what we were doing on her best friend's roof. On September 9th, season five begins and coming soon, 
the chronicles of Detective Bender and the super secret adventures of George. Stay tuned.